It's a football podcast with Safed Dean. I'll hold down the culture for you, Tyler. All right. Tyler Dragon. Justina, were you were you sad about that game? I mean, were you were you I mean, did you have your wine? Did you eat your steak? And Josina Anderson. When you said East Coast, that sounded very West Coastish when you just talked about the East Coast, just to let you know. Each week, our USA Today Sports Plus Insiders talk axes, analyze O's, and bring you behind the scenes. Exclusive, entertaining, insightful, because they know football. But what's it called? Yes, A Football Podcast. Guys, let's just get into it right now and, and talk about John Gruden. Um, he's out as Las Vegas Raiders coach um, because of the homophobic, misogynistic um, racial comments that were revealed in emails published by both uh, Washington Jur- the, the Wall Street Journal, excuse me, and the uh, New York Times. Um, Justine, I'll kick it over to you first. I know you've been doing a lot of talk with people within the Raiders organization, people within the NFL. Um, you know, what are the gist of, of what you're getting and hearing from people about Gruden's comments and, and the aftermath of it all? Well, I would just say that the players that I spoke to initially when, um, uh, you know, I spoke to them after Gruden had addressed them, and this was before they had an opportunity to fully digest the article in the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, that they heard it and they kind of absorbed it. But I also feel like they kind of went straight into their preparation for the game that they had last week. Um, you know, one player said to me, you know, I really just more took it as a joke as long as he didn't say the N word. And the other was saying that they would wait to see how other players, you know, would react if, you know, at all. And then when I had spoken to uh, one of the players again, uh, Saturday evening, uh, they were saying that that was really the first time that they were going to have an opportunity to meet as a team, uh, prior to, um, you know, the game and after they had now had a chance to fully digest it. But last night, you know, when the article came out and it was before the announced resignation, I was trying to get, you know, people's, um, you know, responses then. And I don't think that at the time, you know, at least the people I was talking to really fully grasped the entire gravity of everything, because again, they hadn't seen the article. Um, but they were just kind of hearing bits and pieces of it from me. But it became very real very quickly once news spread like wildfire that he was uh, resigning. And I think that they have a better scope of it now. However, one player did say to me last night, look, Joe, this morning we were moving on to Denver. I thought we were moving on. Um, Even though he had said to us that he said a lot without going into detail as to what a lot meant. He said that I pretty much, I figured it was something foul, but at the same time, I know the man that I'm practicing with every day. And that's not, and that's not reflected in these emails. The the one comment that you mentioned about the Raiders players, knowing who they work for, um, that was something that kind of struck me when you posted about it on social media, that the Raiders players know who John Gruden is. Um, They know his views. They know um, how he feels about certain things that we've seen in the last couple of days. And look, I think the thing that kind of really registers to me about John Gruden, his personal views, um, which he did not expect to become public. Um, you know, you guys look back to the George Floyd incident and, and, you know, the NFL stance 
um, beginning to talk about and address social, systemic, racial injustice and issues in our country, you know, you look back at to how the NFL has worked to put quotes and phrases like end racism and stop the hate on the field and on, on the back of players' helmets. Um, and then you look at what the Raiders did with Gruden and Ravens, uh, excuse me, Raiders owner Mark Davis posting a, a, a tweet that says, I can breathe. Right. Um, and not deleting it and supporting it and 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 being very, very insensitive to the final words that George Floyd was screaming as a police officer had his knee on the back of his neck. Um, you know, you look back and you see those comments and you see I can breathe and the tweet is still alive, still online, never been deleted. I mean, that's everything that you need to know about how John Gruden feels about racism, inequality, things of this nature. And now the column, you know, the emails, the comments about, you know, women, Roger Goodell, President Obama, President uh, Biden, um, you know, using the F word, using the P word on many, many occasions in these emails with, you know, Washington, former Washington GM Bruce Allen, um, you know, puts him in an unfavorable light and the NFL had to take action and, and he ultimately resigned. I'll say this, you know, I talked to some players too, some former players and current players. And it was interesting because all the former players said I couldn't play for a coach like that. When they read the first email, when saw, you know, some of the words in the first email. Now, a lot of the current players that I spoke with, they were like, well, you know, it was 10 years ago and maybe he moved on from that. Maybe he learned from it. It was a growing a learning experience. And then the New York Times article came out with more damning information, with misogynistic uh, language, homophobic language, and more racist language. And then a lot of them hit me back and was like, uh, I take back what I said. And it, man, it is really an unfortunate situation. And even when reading those uh, emails in that language, I thought I was reading something uh, written by a guy from pre-civil rights movement. The NFL is trying to move forward and society is trying to move forward, but there's a certain population that wants to go backwards. And those emails, the language in those emails were somebody from, it seemed like pre-civil rights movement and wanted to go backwards. So it is a really unfortunate situation. And like Randy Moss said, the NFL, everybody, we're trying to move forward in racism and this hate. And those emails were hateful. And the Raiders, it's it's just a terrible situation. Yeah, you look at the NFL as a whole, and they are welcoming the idea of being more inclusive um, to other races, other people of sexual orientation, uh, gender orientation, um, things of the nature, trying to advance with the signs of the times that we're kind of living through right now. And the fact of the matter is that people in the NFL circles, like owners, like executives, like general managers, like coaches, even a faction of the players, you know, quite frankly, share the same views that John Gruden does. And, um, you know, fortunately for them, their views are not expressed publicly. Um, their views, you know, whether bigoted or tolerant as they may be, um, you know, are not shared um, in, in this light and format that John Gruden's have been. And, you know, I think this this whole movement of John Gruden and his forced res resignation being fired, whatever you want to call it, him parting ways with the NFL right now, you know, it sends a shockwave to the system. But I don't think it's really much of a, a shockwave to really inspire change and cultivate it like the NFL wants. Um, you know, these people are still going to have their views 
you know, privately, publicly, um, and you're hoping that maybe this, you know, lends to some tolerance or lends to some, you know, people being a little bit more educated on some issues that they're not so educated on. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, people are still going to have their views, unfortunately. You do raise a good point. And we would be naive if we thought John Gruden and everybody on that email chain, uh, a lot of those people didn't share the same views and beliefs. He sent those emails because he felt comfortable with the audience and the members in that email chain. So there are more people with those racist, misogynistic and homophobic viewpoints. And we're talking about the same league and a same group of owners that blackballed Colin Kaepernick for raising awareness for racial injustice and police brutality. So there are a lot more people with John Gruden's mindset and beliefs. And this just amplifies a bigger problem with going on in the NFL and society as a whole, because there's a certain population in our country that has his viewpoints and it's unfortunate. What stands out to me um, is something, you know, that I just tweeted about initially, which is what I'm hearing from league sources around the NFL. Um, you know, about the initial comment that came of with D. Maurice Smith and and people there, people out there have a problem with the fact that uh, John Gruden coached right after that. And that, you know, further comments came out later after that, that we saw last night from the New York Times. And then now on the back end of more offensive language coming out that it precipitated, um, you know, Mark Davis meeting with him and resulting in the resignation. Now, I don't know if the resignation was um, on the backside of anything that was suggested by Mark Davis first, if he was allowed to make that choice or what have you, that's a whole separate conversation of if it even if should have, if that should have been the departure or the way that he departed, so to speak, that's the official way. Um, but, you know, just the, I think there's a conversation there about whether um, what we heard about D. Maurice Smith should have been enough. I, I know there's certainly people that do feel that way. Um, and then I think there's another conversation just about the sequence of events that really is also not taking place with regards to the timing of which the Raiders actually received the emails from the league, how long the league has had the emails and, you know, the awareness that Gruden had about what was said in the emails prior to talking to ESPN on Friday night. So there's just so much there that you could really go on there with sub layers. And then there are people who feel like, you know, what's happening with Gruden is, is deflecting away from a broader conversation about the NFL and its culture with the fact that this language is, you know, going on um, or, um, you know, uh, people are using it that are involved in the NFL. So uh, there's just a lot of things that you can talk about with this. Yeah, there's, you know, and guys, you guys can, you know, find out some more information on usatodaysportsplus.com. You know, I'll go into some of the layers that Josina is talking about with, you know, John Gruden's comments came in an NFL investigation of more than 650,000 emails um, regarding the workplace environment with the F Washington football team. Um, Gruden's emails were with former Washington GM Bruce Allen. Um, and these are the initial findings, I guess, from the investigation and a independent investigation that doesn't seem to be going so well in regards to, you know, the Washington football team and the inner workings there. Um, Dan Snyder remains the owner of the Washington football team after, you know, many, many episodes similar, uh, you know, to things like this with John Gruden going on right now. Um, so, you know, John Gruden essentially got hung out to dry here. And it's not like his comments becoming public public 
um, were something that the NFL, the Raiders, um, you know, had to address as a whole. Um, you know, and, and going back to the emails, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to talk about, you know, personal freedoms, personal liberties, freedom of speech. Well, John Gruden was using his Gmail email account and he was sending these emails to Bruce Allen's uh, Washington NFL email account. So they were kept on record. They were kept on wax. They were open to public records, um, you know, like the investigation showed right here. And now, you know, John Gruden, this is a stain on an NFL career that, you know, he was the youngest uh, coach to win the Super Bowl. Um, he, you know, used Monday Night Football for eight, nine years to elevate his rise to fame and get back into coaching. Had a 10-year, $100 million deal with the Raiders. And now he's gone after four seasons, $60 million left on the table. And I'm not sure what's worse, the fact that, you know, he can't get the $60 million anymore or, you know, the stain that's left on his career for a sport that he – Obviously, eats, sleeps, loves, breathes um, in his entirety with every fabric of his being. Um, you know, he can't be a part of it at this point right now, um, you know, for the future, Tyler. Yeah, it's hard for me to believe that John Gruden will be back in the National Football League. I'll, I'll say it again. A lot of people deserve second and maybe even third chances. But it's worth noting the NFL is the players are over 70 percent black in the field. And as former players text me and uh, current players, they're they lost respect for him with the words that he said. Not to mention, the Raiders have a gay player on the team, <laughs> and he's talking about gay men. He's talking about women. So, it, well, at the really, time that the emails were written, obviously, uh, you know, Carl. Yeah, it was before. It, it, Carl, it, it was yeah, before. Yeah, Not before. that that uh, um, excuses it, but. I just yeah. want to make it clear for people who are just reading yes. the story for the first time that it, that the timing of this happened between 2011 and 2018. 2018, yes. But it, it's hard for me to believe that his mindset has changed over the course of seven years worth of emails. It's 2021, and he was just talking about President Obama and President Biden. So this is a pattern of behavior, and you're just going to change your beliefs over three years. So honestly, for him to build his reputation back, for him to you know gain trust, people, he's probably going to need some counseling. Honestly, well, I would I would just say this because I was listening to um, Stephen A. Smith uh, on ESPN just before we came on, and obviously I'm going to talk about this on my show later as well. Um, I did hear Stephen A, you know, mention that, um, you know, that he thinks that this, you know, might do it for John Gruden's career or something to the sense. And, and Stephen, I'm not getting the exact words of what you said, but that was, you know, the overall sentiment that I gathered from listening to you. Um, and I would just say that even as egregious as the language, as we've seen, that's been outlined in the article uh, in the New York Times, um, I, you know, always have a hard time, um, you know, fully, fully, fully condemning somebody. I think that, uh, you know, Gruden needs to take, you know, some time to realize, um, you know, the gravity of what he said, certainly the casual nature of the way that it was expressed um, is another conversation. I mean, there's just so many offshoots to this that you could just have. That's why my mind is just like going like this right now. Um, so there's a, but at the same time, and I also have talked to people this morning who have talked directly to Gruden, um, 
And, you know, the sentiment that was being relayed to me is that not necessarily kind of understanding, you know, I think he's understanding, he's beginning to understand it now, but I think, you know, just from gathering and talking to, you know, people who have talked directly to him, um, you know, I don't think there was just a, a full grasp of it at the time. Let's just put it that way. And, um, and so, but either way, going back to what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, it's just, it's, I, I feel people deserve the opportunity to still, you know, learn um, from the things that they have done, um, even if it's multiple times. Um, and I think that they deserve the opportunity to reflect on that and to perhaps use it as opportunity to be a powerful voice, you know, against um, hateful speech and language um, in the future with the time to, you know, reflect. So um, whereas he might not be able to participate in the NFL now, it just depends on the tone of his heart. Really. It really, it really starts with Gruden. It started it, it, with the tone of his heart. If he comes back and he sounds, you know, authentic about the reflection that he's had, he's talked with people, you know, in and out of his circle. Um, you know, I, 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 I never want to say never because you, you just don't know what can hit a person's heart and how, and how heavy that reflection can be, especially if it's sincere. So I, I'm not going to cancel him. However, I will say that, like I mentioned before, that there are people who thought that the comment about DeMaurice's lips should have been enough because to say that, well, you use the rubber lips to, as a reference to refer to liars, except that that's not what you said. You weren't referring to him uh, thinking that he was lying um, in the way that he was leading labor discussions at the time. You made a, you made a comment about the size. That's what turned it different. You know, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, I, I could go on and on, you know. <laughs> and, you, and, he, and he called him dumb. So, I mean, there's there's so many layers uh, to all those uh, trove of emails. And, you know, it's just, I agree with you, Josina. Everybody deserves, you know, a second chance. But it depends if he learns from his mistakes and shows some, you know, is it sincere and I, that's why I think he honestly needs to, you know, go to counseling. He needs a, a life coach and somebody to really uh, sit down with him so he can understand the gravity of what he said, the, the effect that it has on people, the effect that it has on black men and women, the effect that it has on gay men and women. It's just he, he really needs to take a step back and talk, seek help and try to absolve that hate in his heart you know and i think are we you know do we expect john gruden to do that i mean just from the tone of his emails and his comments and his text messages the talks he has with everybody in nfl circles you think he cares to do that do you think he cares to do it even more because he lost 60 million dollars in the rest of his contract here and he has a stain on his nfl career that's going to be hard to remove now you know people are going to have their views about the things they care about or, or the the polarizing issues of our time whether it's homosexuality um the advancement of women um, you know, outside of the comments that he made, you know, John Gruden shows that this is a part of his fabric. This is a part of his DNA. This is who he is. These are things that he believes um, for the past seven to 10 years. He probably still holds them now. And, you know, whether he can get counseling or change about it, you know, I'm skeptical to see it. Um, and I also think we're naive to think that John Gruden may not end up back in the sport. 
um, you know, three to five years down the line because of how NFL circles work, how people are going to say that he has changed and he knows somebody that's going to hire him for another job um, in any capacity. Um, you know, I think we're naive to say, you know, this is going to be the end of John Gruden's career. You know, never say never, like you said, Josina. Maybe he does, you know, reclaim his his status. But, um, you know, I just don't see it at this point. I think it's a good time we switch gears and go back over to that regular podcast um, that you guys have com- come to know and love in the first five, six weeks of It's a Football Podcast. Tyler, Josina, uh, uh, before and to help us with that transition, you know who's really happy about all this has got to be Urban Meyer, right? <laughs> <laughs> like Urban Meyer got to be so happy he's no longer the donkey NFL coach. Well, I can tell you one thing. Mind. It's not being forgotten in Jacksonville because I have talked to a few people down there and it seems like uh, there are – you know, there are things going on down there as well. So while it is off the front burner today and perhaps tomorrow, what have you, um, if the losses continue in Jacksonville, trust me, it will come right back. <laughs> and, and it's still right there with people uh, who are being who were impacted by, um, you know, the just the, the story coming out, so to speak. Uh, guys, let's switch topics into, um, you know, one of the big games of the week. Uh, Josh Allen and the Bills go into Kansas City and they Tyler, 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 Tyler. We gave you an opportunity to correct your prediction every time. You're not looking at what is happening in front of you and you keep going with the the perception of last year prior to the Super Bowl. You got to catch up with what's going on in your face, in front of your face, Tyler, because if you keep picking it, you're just going to owe me a stake at the end of the season. It's like, which you, I'm hoping for. Are which you I'm saying I'm for. living in the past, Josina? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that's part, that partly it, not not all of it. You know, and, and rightly so. They they deserve the, the lore that you're giving them in the sense because they did make it to the Super Bowl and they're – uh, you know, their quarterback is arguably the best in the NFL. So it's not like it's not arguably. Well, I mean, arguably, I mean, there are some people who might say it's Aaron Rodgers. There's some people who might feel it's other, you know, other people. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Some people say Justin Herbert. Some people think Justin Herbert might be the you know the top guy right now, right now, <laughs> right now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. The the Chiefs, I have to admit, they have disappointed me thoroughly. They are not playing good football. And it, it, it starts with that defense. Safed, you said it, it. Their defense is like Swiss cheese. They can't stop a nosebleed. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. It doesn't matter what Patrick Mahomes is doing on offense. The defense is getting eaten alive. They're getting <laughs> – it's really looking bad for the Kansas City Chiefs. But oh Lord. Relax. Oh, oh, it is just week six. Mm. It's just week six. And the aside from the Chargers, it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs have a lot of other competition in the division. The Raiders are a complete mess right now. And the Denver Broncos, they're frauds, as I said before. They're they're not a good football team. So I still expect the Kansas City Chiefs to fix their problems. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Every week we give you the opportunity. Wait, 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 wait. Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in the National Football League. They still have the best quarterback in the National Football League. They have 
the fastest. Who uh, just acknowledged that even he has to now look at his tape and reevaluate yes. some of the decisions and that he's good. making. It can't and always be good, the acrobatic play and the you know the the gymnastic play. You know, going across one side of the field, throwing it all the way over. Point. You know, so you know. You're proving my I'm saying that's point. what he said. They're, they're, uh, yes, <laughs> but they're not being complacent, mm. and they want to get better. Of course. resting on their lawyer. Uh, you, yeah. And I'm yeah, partly being playful, them. obviously. You know, clear, yeah, clearly we understand all the talent that's on Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know. No, no, I, everything Josina's saying directed towards Tyler, she means. Everything <laughs> else is playful, though. Right, all the shade. All the shade she gives me. I do expect the Kansas City Chiefs to reevaluate things and rebound from this early season struggles, this Super Bowl hangover that they've had at the beginning of the season. When it's all said and done, week 17, week 18, they'll be right there. I want to ask you guys a question. How big of a win is was that for the Buffalo Bills to beat the Chiefs? Not only do you have Josh Allen on the Bills, they met last year in the AFC title game. Um, you know, it's it's not like beating them in the playoffs. They may have to see him in the playoffs again. But um, I think maybe the important part of this win is maybe the Bills got this win and they, you know, you send the Chiefs to the other side of the bracket probably, right? Um, you got the Chargers. You got the Ravens. Um, maybe you're going to pick your poison with that at the end of the season. You don't know who how the, the, the playoff rankings are going to unfold here. But um, if you kind of get out of the way to not see Patrick Mahomes again until the AFC title game, that's great. Um, you kind of pick your poison with Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson later on in the season. But I think that's probably the biggest thing that the Bills get out of this win is the fact that, you know, it could have an implication on the playoff standings later this year. I think Sop is turning into a casual Bills fan, even though, you, you know, you're, you favor the Dolphins a little bit. But you've been on this Bills train for a little yeah, while man, now. I've been trying to tell you. I've been trying to tell you. You didn't hear me last week, Tyler. This is why my picks – are, are more uh, this is why I'm there two games go. up on the season. Then, are you Tyler? two games up? I'm two I need games to check up. The check record. the record. Check the oh, record. Okay. Uh, <laughs> look, 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 couple things. Couple things. Couple things. I, so I just want to insert this into the conversation. So prior to the game, I did talk to a Bill source, and I was asking, you know, about the uh, thoughts of facing the Chiefs coming into that game. And one of the things that they pointed out that they really noticed uh, in the Chiefs lost to the Chargers was the fact that the Chargers had four turnovers in that game by two interceptions from uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, I believe two uh, turnovers, fumbles fumbles from uh, Hill and Edward Solaire. And um, so they were just underlining the point that, you know, the way to overcome the Chiefs is obviously not, you know, necessarily breaking news to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, but also noting the four interceptions that he had coming into the game when he had six all of last year and tying that back to he's saying it doesn't really matter who you are, um, it, that it, you know, that you're going to, when you have five different pieces on an offensive line that, that you start the season with, it's just going to be an adjustment. So all of these things that they are noticing on tape and really focusing on how, you know, they were going to have to, you know, keep the ball away. And then I, I believe they had four, turnovers of their own or takeaways of their own, you know, during this game. So, you know, just kind of following that pattern. And then also speaking a lot about the players that have been standing out on the bills uh, as far as uh, Edmonds and, um, and star or what have you for them too. So the bills first and foremost, let's stop talking about the chiefs. The bills deserve a lot of credit from the head coach, from the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, to you know the the, the general manager. Um, that team is in a perfect environment in Buffalo, where 
you know, they don't have too much distractions going on up there and a lot of a support from a passionate stand base. So I think the Buffalo Bills, Tyler, you know, deserve, you know, as much love as you keep, you know, perpetually giving the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, 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 you know, let's, let's name these guys out. Brandon Bean is the GM for the Bills. Uh, Sean McDermott's the coach. Um, Leslie Flazier's defensive coordinator. And Brian Dable is the offensive coordinator who did not get hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that's probably the biggest move that happened in the NFL offseason was Brian Dable staying with the Bills and staying with Josh Allen for I think this is their third year together. There's something to speaks of that speaks to continuity, sticking together. When coaching staffs and core players can stick together and grow together and go through a playoff loss like they did last year against the Chiefs in the MC title game, to come back and rebound this season and build off what they did last year. It speaks to continuity. It speaks to um, you know, players really banding together behind Josh Allen, behind Stephon Diggs, behind guys like that de- on that defense, like you mentioned, Josina. Um, you know, the Bills show that they're they probably might be the team to beat in the AFC. And I'll kick that over to you, Tyler, because I know you got something to say about Justin Herbert, ready to go in that conversation. Go ahead. Well, the way Lamar Jackson was looking on Monday Night Football, they got defensive issues too, especially in mm-hmm. their secondary. But the Ravens look good. Uh, the Chargers, they're playing well. I told you, Soffit. Justin Herbert, top 10 quarterback. I mean, I may even have sold him short. He might be a top five quarterback at this point. Yeah, and then, name, name, me, name me your top five later, Tyler. Okay, I'll name you my top five later. But, yes, the Baltimore Ravens, they're playing well. I think they have something to say for it. I would love to see them go up against the Buffalo Bills and those Los Angeles Chargers. And like I said, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. They're going to fix their problems. They're going to fix their defensive issues. The blueprint is out on them, though. They have to figure it out now because what defenses are doing, they're doing zone coverage. They're not letting Tyree kill beat them over the top, and they're forcing Patrick Mahomes to throw underneath the Travis Kelsey. But a lot of defenses, they're shading over the um, Travis Kelsey side, and Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any other options to go to. And if they're not getting that big play ball, they get kind of antsy, and then he forces the issue, and that's when those turnovers come into play. So the blueprint is out on the Kansas City Chiefs offense, so they're going to have to try to fix their, excuse me, problem. So so if the blueprint was out, how come you ain't talking about this blueprint all the other times that you were picking KC? I'm just trying to understand. Mm. It's a shady, it's a shady yeah, question. The, it's okay, a shady question. Yeah, it, it is. It is a shady question. <laughs> it's sad with love. As a team, you have to adjust as a coaching <laughs> staff. You have to adjust to the, the schemes that are run against you. So me thinking, okay, Andy Reid, one of the, top coaches, Patrick Mahomes, one of the top coaches, they're going to adjust. But they need other players to help them out aside of Tyreek Hill, aside of Travis Kelsey. And their defense, that's <laughs> – I don't know if scheme can fix talent. <laughs> so their Tyler, defense also, is a, ta- Tyler, a talent issue. Tyler, you also got to adjust your picks, man. I mean, <laughs> you, you're not listening to me at all. Oh, you're not listening man, to Josina is- at all. We're trying to tell you. We're trying to show you the light, and you just completely walking the other the, way. Remember, remember what I told y'all last week. It's not how you start. 
is how you. And that's it. true too. And and I want to say very clearly, you know, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, a plethora of talent. Andy Reid, an incredible coach. Uh, Eric Benemy and and all those guys over there. Steve Spagnolo, you know. So we're just giving Tyler a hard time. Obviously, you have all of the talent uh, to. To ha- I'll be laughing at the end. Well, and, well it's not like end. it will be, re- you know, like a revelation. We do know this team went to the Super Bowl. You're not breaking any news. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. what, we're to- what we're talking about is talking about the present tense. That's all. Just the present mm-hmm. tense. Doesn't mean that they're not going to get better and figure it out. We're just talking about now. Okay. Now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the future, you're going to owe me that steak dinner, though. So. Hey, listen, I'm always down to have a steak. I just ain't paying for it. <laughs> I, I can give you steak all you want. When they when the waiter comes, I'll push it in front of you, but I ain't saying I'm paying for it. <laughs> just but, Guys, let's switch gears. Uh, I want to talk about Justin Herbert, too. But first, let's talk about Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, the Colts uh, had a 19-point lead. I believe it was 22-3 to in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. And I have no idea how that happened, but the Ravens came out with an overtime win on Monday Night Football. Um, guys, the biggest thing for me is you're seeing Lamar Jackson truly transform and become, you know, the quarterback um, that we all think he could be um, as an improved passer. I thought the biggest thing from that game was, um, you know, Lamar Jackson had a huge fumble earlier in that game. Um, it led into, you know, a, a, a touchdown for the Colts. Um, and he almost nearly had another fumble late in that game before they eventually tied it up uh, before overtime. But I think the biggest lesson maybe Lamar Jackson learned about himself in this game is that, you know, he does it as much as he wants to be Superman and on his feet and making plays. Um, you know, he doesn't have to fully be Superman just with his legs. He can do it in the pocket. He can do it with throws to Mark Andrews and Marquise Hollywood Brown. And um, that was my biggest takeaway from the Ravens game is that Lamar Jackson's improving as a passer. And really, we love to see it, Tyler. You know, the biggest indicator that Lamar Jackson has improved a lot as a passer is he's able to come from behind. Usually when the Ravens are down two touchdowns, two scores, they have a tough time rallying back because they they're prone to running the football and that bleeds the clock. And Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson was able to win the game, rally his troops with his arm and not his legs. And I really saw it in the very first game. Even though they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders, Lamar Jackson made some throws in that game that really impressed me and throws that he wouldn't have been able to make make in year one and in year two. He has shown market improvement as a pocket passer. And for him to have go on a national stage on Monday night and throw for a career-high 400, what, 42 yards, four touchdowns, and he only had six incompletions, <laughs> six out of 42 accurate. attempts. That shows accurate. his accuracy, his improvement in the pocket, his poise. He was not using his legs, and he has really taken the next step as a passer and really improved. And that's credit to his work ethic, his determination to improve. Because before, year one, year two, even last year, he wouldn't have been able to throw for 442 yards. Yes, he showed improvement in those years, but th- this year he's on a whole new level and he's already an early season MVP candidate. I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Lamar Jackson. He's silencing the haters, silencing all the doubt. He has shown. And there should have never been no haters. Ball. He was already, I mean, exactly. what he exactly. already accomplished. What is MVP by the age of what? 
24 or whatever it is. 21? 22? 20, how old is that? I mean, something young. He was the something young. He's the youngest. 20-something he young. He's the youngest NFL MVP. There you go. Um, yeah. There, you know, there, should, there should not have been any haters, like you said, Josina. But Lamar Jackson, the few haters that he does have, uh, they're on hush mode right now. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> now 22 uh, the youngest NFL MVP, and he did it a year after Patrick Mahomes was the youngest. How, how old was MVP. he at the time? I believe 22, mm-hmm. both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Lamar was the second unanimous MVP winner, too. So um, I don't know. You remember that report out before the season? NFL teams have figured out Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Um, Tyler, we'll get into your favorite quarterback in the NFL, Justin Herbert, right now. And um, I, according to you, I got some apologizing to do, huh? Um, he's not my favorite quarterback. I mean, y'all think I like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Y'all just no, picking no, no, me no, all no. the Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. You go with the comfort <laughs> Chiefs pick, and you love Justin Herbert, just like Josina loved the Browns, just well, like I love two on the Dolphins. This is we we all established this by now on it's a football podcast oh my goodness well <laughs> it's yes been established uh, tyler well first of all you do have to apologize to justin herbert because at the beginning of the season i called him a top 10 quarterback and mm-hmm. i mean i might even have to apologize because i was selling him short with the way he is playing right now but you scoffed at what i was saying you rolled your eyes you were giving me the Cena neck roll and you, you really, you really was you know disrespectful to Justin mm-hmm. Herbert. So I, I want you take the floor and tell me and tell Justin Herbert that you're sorry. <sighs> um, Justin, I want Herbert, it sincere. Don't give me Justin, no three line whack Justin, apology either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you, Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people um, probably did not see Justin Herbert come into the NFL like we've all seen him come into the NFL in recent weeks. I mean, look, he's got the most 300-yard games by any quarterback the first two years in the league. He was Offensive Rookie of the Year um, last season as well. He's got the Chargers off to a 4-1 start, and they might have been 5-0 and if you know they were able to get past the Cowboys, I believe, week two. Um, look, Justin Herbert, a lot of people got it wrong on him. The Chargers got it right on him. Um, you know, I thought he was a little too timid. I didn't think he would have enough leadership skills to maybe rally the troops behind him or get players to play behind him. But the matter of fact is, is when you got the sauce and the players around, you know, you got the sauce. It takes no problem for them to rally behind you. Um, Justin Herbert shows he's got an incredible arm. He's got incredible size. He still needs to work on his touch a little bit to become a fully, you know, rounded quarterback. There's some throws that he misses that are inopportune at times. You're going to see it in some late game situations coming up here um, at the rest of the season. But for everything we've seen so far on Justin Herbert, he looks like he's worthy of the first round pick. He looks like the Chargers came up really luckily in drafting him. And he looks like he's well on his way to a really, really successful NFL career. A lot of people, no, that's not good. But a lot of people don't talk about this. But that 2019 college football season when he was at Oregon, he was the number one prospect, NFL Mm -hmm. quarterback prospect. But he elected to stay at Oregon his senior year and dropped a little bit and uh, ended up, you know, going number six to the Chargers. But he was the number one quarterback prospect his junior year. 
So I, w- I want a little bit more of a apology. Oh, yeah, well, it's hard because you looked at how the way he played in that Oregon offense. They had a new, I believe, new coaching staff. That's where Mario Cristobal took over. Shout out to Mario Cristobal in Miami right there. But, um, you know, he did not show what he's showing now in Oregon. There wasn't I mean, a lot of not, weapons he was throwing the ball There to was me. not a lot of weapons he was throwing to. There was not an offense that was conducive to his strengths like we're seeing now with the Chargers. So, I mean, Tyler, you're rubbing it in my face now. It's easier to have <laughs> hindsight 2020 behind you here. But I to tried say to that you, your had, you didn't have Justin your Herbert. Dolphins. You didn't have Justin Herbert being this good two years ago. I, Nobody I had, did. I, Nobody I, did. You, no, no. You can look look at my tweets. I said he was the best quarterback in the 2020 draft. He had the, I said he had, I said he had the high. I said he had the highest ceiling. Because so he was better a quarterback, quarterback or highest ceiling? High, I said highest ceiling. I didn't okay. say the best. You didn't say he'd be the, the best the quarterback. Most, the most polished quarterback coming out was just, I mean, um, Joe Burrow. Look at Joe Cedar. The quarterback with the highest ceiling. Oh, yeah. You can, you can check the receipts. <laughs> you can check the receipts. But the quarterback with the highest mm-hmm. ceiling, I always thought, was Justin Herbert because of his mobility and his arm strength. He had the strongest arm in the draft. I still think Joe Burrow might be a little better. No. No, not even Joe Burrow? Uh, I've, I've seen Joe Burrow up close in person as a former Bengals beat writer. Uh-huh. That's not disrespect to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's really There's good. There's still time right. for both Her. of them to grow. No, Nothing has to be definitive right now. Very much yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So exactly. what, but, what Tyler's you know, saying is if Justin Herbert came out in 2019 like he was supposed to, the Dolphins will be off the hook for picking Tua over Herbert, right? That's what you're saying, Tyler. I mean, are you are you already giving up hope on Tua? Are you are you done? Tua needs some time. Are you exiting the building? Tua's only played 11 games, Tyler. Come on. We are headed into Week Six of the NFL that started last night with the Ravens' uh, victory over the Colts. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about. We were just mentioning them uh, a while ago. Um, is the Packers four and one going up against the three and two Bears? Um, what do you guys think about this game, particularly now that Justin Fields is the starter? Well, it's about time, right, guys? We've been mentioning this, you and I, Tyler, about Justin Fields needing to be the starter. They got a win over the Raiders last week, but uh, I'm, I'm going with the Packers in this game. Mm. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers—they got really lucky against the Bengals last week. Um, mm. You know, there was four missed field goals in that game alone in Cincinnati. Um, I don't think that happens again this week. I got the Packers over the Bears. Yeah, Justin Fields is improving each and every week. Uh, the Bears have won two straight games. Khalil Mack and the defense is playing well. However, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, I have them beating the Bears up in Chicago. I have the Packers. Okay. All right. Well, the interesting thing is you think that uh, they were lucky, though, Safed, but do you think there was a measure of them uh, playing down in that in that particular game as opposed to mm-hmm. it being reflective of how they are because they were lucky? You're talking about the Bears and Raiders? No, talking about, yeah, the Packers. Oh, the Packers. Mm-hmm. Packers and Bengals. Do I think the Packers played down to the Bengals? No, I, I don't think so at all. The, you know, the Bengals are in the playoff mix right now. They're, what, 3-2 and two now? Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Burr is playing really well. Jamar Chase is playing really well as a rookie. Um, that defense is hanging around. Um, to keep that game close in the 20s last week against the Packers, I think that shows that the Bengals are seriously improved. They've gotten so much better since Tyler left Cincinnati. Um, but <laughs> I think they showed, they showed um, you know, some true grit against the Jaguars, against the, Bank, uh, against the Packers last week. But, um, 
you know, like 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 Tyler said, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, those guys are too good. And I think the Packers, you know, beat the Bears pretty well this week. All right, let's move on to the Cardinals, the last uh, remaining undefeated team in the NFL at 5-0, and going up against the 3-2 and Browns, who did suffer a defeat against the Chargers in their game. So I'm sure you guys will have a couple comments about that. Do you think that the Browns rebound and hand the Cardinals their first loss of the season? You know, I'm going to give this one to Tyler first. I want to see what Tyler got to say first about this. Because, you know, this is Josina's team, the, the Cleveland Browns, that Tyler likes to remind us of. So, go ahead, Tyler. Let me see what you got to say jo- about this game. Josina, were you, were you sad about that game? I mean, were you – Were you? I mean, did you have your wine? Did you eat your steak after that Chargers win? Because the game was going back and forth. It was a shootout, a track meet. I know you're watching on the edge of your seat and rooting for the Browns, rooting for Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham did he even play that game. He had what two catches for twenty yards. Stop it. He had how many he had targets? Only two. How many targets? How many targets? <laughs> how many targets? Odell Beckham had two two more catches than me and you. Stop it. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm just gonna say. First of all. <laughs> oh, I'll go ahead. First of all, look at see, see the neck roll. See the neck roll going. <laughs> first of all, Jadavian Clowney actually ended up not playing that game even though uh, oh. prior to that I did report that he was going was to play. Was that the violin? Yeah. The well, violin. No, no, no. I just want to actually want to explain because, you know, he actually, they, the, the coaching staff was actually expecting him to play and then uh, there was another injury that was starting to bother him, which was the elbow. It was not the original one that they were talking about on the original injury report. And actually, this is something that I'll mention tomorrow in my insider report. I'm aware that he has, uh, you know, gone to look at, a, you know, to talk to a specialist with regards to that. So that actually put what I heard last night, even talking to Brown sources, is that, you know, the team was put in a bit of a scramble on that side of the ball from the standpoint of they were expecting Jadavian Clowney to play. That's a domino effect now. Offenses are able to key a little bit more on Miles Garrett's side, which has an impact on the coverage, you know, on the back. So there was a little bit of a, you know, discombobulation with regards to that because they were expecting him to play. Um, I'm not saying that that's the entire reason why they lost, but I'm just saying that that is a factor. And um, But at the same time, even Baker Mayfield said that he has to, you know, play better. And um, I think that uh, Odell and uh, Baker continuing to work on their connection, which is obviously, you know, something that's understandable in terms of it not being all the way where they want it to be. From the standpoint, it's just Odell has missed time due to injuries. So that that's yeah. just understandable, and and, and, um, and it will get better. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah, what, what what record did they have when they made the playoffs last year, so, and then ended so up you know one. going to their second number, the second game in the playoffs? They didn't win it, but you know they were there. Number one, the Chargers were without their right tackle Brian Balaga, so mm-hmm. that's no excuse. Mm-hmm. And Odell and Odell and Baker Mayfield have the connection of AOL dial up internet. Uh, currently, so wow. <laughs> they need some Tyler, work. Make a pick for the card. Um, <laughs> I have the Arizona Cardinals include. Uh, sorry, not including, but keeping on their undefeated streak and mm. continuing to go undefeated six and zero, going up to Cleveland and beating the Josina's Cleveland Browns. Um, Kyler Murray playing MVP level football. This defense is playing really good. And what can I say? AJ Green's uh, made this offense open up more. You already got DeAndre uh, Hopkins out there. The Arizona Cardinals, they're for real. And they're going to be 6-0 after they beat the Josina Anderson. Oh, please. Oh, dear. So hold on, hold on. I got to make my prediction for this game. 
Uh, Cardinals are heading on the road. Um, Tyler, I'm going with Josina's team. I got the Browns winning by three. I, I'm going to take Baker. I'm going to take Odell. I'm going to take two touchdowns by Odell. It'll be two passes, but it'll be two touchdowns, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> You're just trying Browns. to get a Josina's nah, good nah, side. Nah. It's going to be. It's, You're I'm trying to make, get a Josina's good side. I'm, I'm trying to make side. sure I don't buy Josina a steak. I'm making sure yeah. you don't have that. It's um, not even that Browns expensive. Y'all balling. Y'all I got, got the it. I'm going to keep it in my pocket, though. <laughs> I got the Browns over the Cardinals, Tyler. I'm going to take – I'm going to take the – your Cardinals are going to take L this weekend. I know we're going – one of us is going to hear about this next week in the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you, man. I keep trying to tell you every week. <laughs> Let's go to the next pick, Josina. All right. So, we're moving on to the next pick. We've got the 4-1 and one Cowboys, who are playing really well right now, versus the 2-3 and three Patriots. Uh, who, uh, you know, are trying to transition with their rookie quarterback. And this is definitely not the Patriots of old. Definitely not the Patriots of old, but the Patriots seem to be turning a little corner. Mm. Um, how much of a corner? Tyler's going to roll his eyes, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> of, of the Patriots there. But look, I think the Cowboys are playing incredibly well, and this could be a potential trap game for them because of people kind of underestimating the Patriots. They played really well against the Bucks. I believe they had Houston last week, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, and came out with their second win of the season, too. Um, look, Dallas is too good. They should win this game. I'm picking them to win this game. Um, but it's going to be a close one because I think they might underestimate New England a little bit. I mean, who, who do you expect me to pick? The Cowboys, they're playing really good football. Dak Prescott, I'm really impressed with how he's bounced back this season off a significant ankle injury. And the Cowboys' defense is playing well, too. Trayvon, uh, I mean, yeah, Trayvon Diggs leading the league in interceptions right now. I have the Cowboys uh, winning this game fairly easily over the New England Patriots. All right, so we've got the two and three Seahawks who have been trying to find their stride on defense and obviously have a new quarterback in Geno Smith. You know, big opportunity for him to continue to show what it is that he can be as a starter now that he's getting that opportunity again. And then also the two and three Steelers who did come away with the win. A lot of people were talking about Ben Roethlisberger um, and whether they should stick with him and whether it was time for Dwayne Haskins. You know, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, you know, Russell Wilson's uh, finger injury, one that's going to keep him out a couple weeks, really, really unfortunate for the Seahawks to end their season. Um, You know, you don't know how long he's going to be out. I believe it's, you know, four to six weeks was the initial report Mm -hmm. after he had surgery on the finger um, that he injured on Thursday Night Football against the Rams. Bad loss for for the Seahawks. Um, And Tyler's going to give me smack for that, too, because I had the, the Seahawks winning that game against the Rams. And they looked good before Russell Wilson went out. Um, but I got the Steelers in this game this week. I think, um, you know, Geno Smith, uh, my, uh, you know, South Florida kid, I support him all the way. Um, but I think the Steelers have, you know, I think they'll have enough with Big Ben and that defense to take care of the Seahawks this week. Your South Florida bias continues on. Um, but, yeah, I'm the same way. The Seahawks and Russell Wilson, he's played every single game since uh, 2012, uh, 149 straight starts for the Seahawks. The Seahawks literally don't know how to play without him um, at quarterback. And for them to go up against the Pittsburgh Steelers with Geno Smith, uh, Safa's boy from South Florida, I just don't think uh, they're going to have enough on the offensive end. And their defense has been 
terrible this year, ranking last in the league in total defense. So I have the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, getting the win. All right. So let's go on and move to the 4-1 and one Chargers versus the 3-1 and one Ravens, or now, excuse me, 4-1, uh, <laughs> after their incredible win last night. Um, this is going to be a very, very monstrous game. Um, the Ravens have been very, very impressive, rebounding from the loss of J.K. Dobbins, uh, Marcus Peters. Who else have they lost? Three running backs. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> who, who are the other running backs I'm forgetting right now? J.K. Dobbins yes. was their starter. Yes. Um, Gus Edwards as yes, well. Yes, thank you. Gus Edwards and then somebody else that um, – did a combination of special teams. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name right now. But for them to come back, you know, from all of that, be able to insert people who are new to their system and then rally around that attrition and have these momentous, wild wins on a fourth down decision by Harbaugh and Lamar. And then again last night down, what was it, 19? That's crazy. That I mean, kudos to the Ravens on that and then kudos to the Chargers. So this is going, I mean... Y'all, y'all talk about Herbert, Lamar. I mean, I, I am really anxious to see this. Tyler, go ahead first, man. I, I might have to go. I might have to go to this game. Maybe I should switch the game I'm going to this week. Ooh, <laughs> where, where are you <laughs> going? Like game to switch. I, I, no, no, I don't know where I'm going yet. That's still hey, but look, a topic the, to the be game discussed. is in Baltimore, though. So oh, yeah, are, the, are game, you, the game is in Baltimore. Are you sure you can do? Like are you sure you can do something East Coast? Because you know I, that's too that's too far I, East. I, 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 don't know. I, I thought I, you I, only did sunshine and palm tree games. Okay, okay, sure. okay, hold on, hold on. That's first too far all, East for you, Charlie. First of all, I did graduate from Howard University. Mm. Now you know I do mm. have I do have some East Coast in me, mm. and <laughs> I, I, I do miss me some crab cakes. I'm a even though when you just Baltimore got some great when you said East Coast, that sounded very West Coastish when you just talked about East Coast just. Let I'm, you know, I'm West Coast through and through now. East Coast, but, but, East Coast, but, but, but still, <laughs> you know, I can still go to the West Coast. Mm. The, the left coast is the best coast. Lord have mercy. Yeah, we hear it still, all. I we hear it all in your accent, and so you have definitely, <laughs> you know, been indoctrinated on that side because we hear you're not you're not saying, sounding very Howard University right now. University ish. You you sounding very. I've been out here in this tan with my toes in the sand under this palm tree, drinking this coconut milk from this coconut bopping off my head. That's what the heck you sound like. I'm just trying to say. D- do you nope, do y'all nope. hear this? That do I sound like that too down here in Miami? Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got all those same before, things down here before too. Before we went off the rails and my at my West Coast LA accent, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and pick <laughs> the team in LA, mm. the Los Angeles Chargers. I went back and forth in this pick, especially after watching Lamar Jackson and how this Ravens team rallied back. But I think the Chargers, they're playing at a higher level right now on both sides of the ball. I think Joey Bosa and Derwin James are going to make some noise defensively for the Chargers. And then on the offensive end, we already talked about uh, Justin Herbert, but you have Austin Eckler playing well, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams was a monster uh, versus the Browns. And then as long as the Chargers are able to stop that rushing attack from the Ravens, I think they'll be fine. I got the Chargers winning in Baltimore. Of course you were picking the Chargers, Tyler. Of course you were picking the Chargers. Josina, I'm going with Lamar and the Ravens mm. simply for the culture, all right? Mm. I'm going with Lamar for the culture, oh, but Tyler. I what culture? culture? I'll hold, what, what down. Culture? I'll hold culture? down the culture for you, Tyler. All so right? he's what basically culture? saying that your pick is anti-culture. 
I got I got Lamar I'm Jackson. Gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna leave it alone. Wow. I was trying to I was trying to speed past that too, Josita, but it's all good. Um, I got LA. Lamar. I got Lamar winning this one. I got Lamar and the Ravens winning this Hold one. Hold on, time, time out. I can't get you to let you get away with that, though. No. So are we saying LA's not the culture? No, no, no. Are we saying Baltimore's the culture? Just because saying, they produce saying, the wire. No, 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 I mean, I'm, saying, I'm saying LJ is for the culture. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. I think he – said I'm talking about um, LJ. Shows, I think, <laughs> I think about- Lamar Jackson <laughs> – <laughs> I think Lamar Jackson <laughs> plays better than Justin Herbert in this game, guys. Um, okay. The game They're not the only two players on the field, though. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. I know there's some other players, and oh, I think okay. he's a lot faster than Derwin James, and I think he can shake Joey Bosa out his, out his cleats, you know, every once in a while, too. So, so it's just going to be, Ravens, gonna gonna be Lamar really Jackson good. looking show. good, just like the Chargers are. This could be – this is an AFC playoff preview game right here, too, as well. Yes, it is. It's going to be a very dynamic game. I'm looking forward to it and seeing the results of y'all's picks, which are always very entertaining because they always <laughs> have wrong. So it's always a good place to start as far as conversation. No, no, Tyler's, Tyler's, Tyler, are half Tyler's are half wrong. Okay, sorry, 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 so Tyler. Tyler's yeah, we, yes, wrong. I'm sorry. It's not about how you start. It's how you finish. I'm telling you, I'm going to have that Usain Bolt comeback well, speaking, in the last 50 meters. And speaking of how you finish, y'all done talked so much that I started with a full battery on my Mac. And you know how these Macs are after three years of battery don't last but about 30 minutes so i'm about on two percent talking to y'all so y'all have one last final comment and we got to wrap y'all <laughs> it's time to wrap it up you're right guys thank you so much for listening this week i'm 17 and 8 in my picks tyler's 15 and 10 we'll see how that narrows up at the end of this week um but we appreciate you hanging with us especially for the serious john gruden talk at the beginning and i um, appreciate you guys listening to the lighthearted nature um, that you get from senior NFL insider Josina Henderson and NFL insider Safa Dean and Tyler Dragon here with USA Today Sports Plus. Boom bezel, we out. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app where the biggest fans fan harder. Sorry.